everyone, welcome to another edition of STT Interviews. This month, Lauren and I are excited to get the chance to sit down with John Levy, the casting director for all 331 episodes and 15 seasons of the show. John, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you. So to kind of get us off on the right foot, how does one get a start as a casting director? How did you get your start as a casting director? Well, my background is in the theater. Uh, I was a director's fellow here in Los Angeles at the Mark Taper Forum, which is the biggest uh, uh, equity theater company in, in Los Angeles. Um, I had a wonderful opportunity to meet and work with some spectacular artists, including Jose Quintero doing a production of Cat on a Hot Tin Roof and uh, Stephen Burkoff doing his metamorphosis. And that's really when I first met um, a casting director and knew what one was up until that point. I, uh, and I think it was 1979 or 80, uh, I had been working in the theater for a while and uh, but I, we, you know, we always just cast ourselves and there was never mm -hmm. a casting director. I didn't know what one was. And then it, um, then I uh, happened on a wonderful guy called Frank Bayer. Uh, and then later uh, others came along and uh, I did a lot of directing of new plays in workshop. And that would mean it would be uh, the casting director, the playwright, me, and somebody from the dramaturg department, the literary department. Mm -hmm. And we would rehearse for three or four days and then present a, a, a reading of, a, of this new play for the staff of the Mark Taper Forum. And uh, that's when I saw that uh, casting was, you know, really, really crucial and uh, uh, just such an essential thing. And also a, a, a fun opportunity because I had been directing and I had done some teaching of acting and um, so I knew how to speak the language of the writer I knew how to speak the language of the director I knew how to speak the language of the actor and I think that propelled me um, the, I had a son at that time I still do thank God <laughs> uh, and uh, it, it, and then my, uh, let's see, how did this go? Uh, I, and I suddenly learned that I needed to make a living um, and be an adult. <laughs> um, it was a horrible uh, revelation, but one that was necessary. Uh, and uh, I had a dear friend from college who was producing movies for television at ABC. Her name is Eileen Amy Berg. And she heard about a casting job. Um, with a woman named Barbara Clayman, and then shortly thereafter with a woman named Marcia Kleinman. And um, I got both of those jobs. And after a while with Marcia, maybe two years, I uh, was offered a job on staff at Warner Brothers Television. And that's where I met um, John Wells, who has become a... a, a creative partner for 30 something years. And um, I, I did a, a, the pilot of China Beach there. Mm -hmm. And then uh, that some of the same people went on to um, this little show with two letters. 
<laughs> which which really changed um, my life and <clears throat> and the lives of hundreds of other people in many many ways and I think probably thousands of young Americans went to medical school because mm -hmm. they watched ER and I think people got more and better information about medical issues and uh, crises, uh, STDs and drug addictions and alcoholism and other uh, socially important issues. They, the, they got more and better information from ER than they did from state and local and federal government. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so we touched on number two a little bit with how you got involved directly with the casting of ER, but was there anything particular when, you know, that project was brought to you that kind of stood out in your mind as something that would be interesting to work on? Or at the time, did it feel like kind of just another opportunity? No, it was definitely right from the get-go, uh, much more than just another opportunity. It was mm -hmm. complicated because the script that had been unearthed that was quite old, um, mm -hmm. you know, it just said nurse, doctor, doctor, nurse. And you didn't know <laughs> who, the, whether that same nurse on page 52 was the same nurse in page <laughs> 16. And um, I had been working with Wells on China Beach. And then the merger happened between Warner Brothers, old Warner Brothers and Lorimar. Uh, we sometimes jokingly called it Warner Mar after a while um, <laughs> as a kind of compromise. And um, uh, John was given this script uh, and, and it was, uh, and I was kind of his casting director. So mm -hmm. he brought it to me. I read it and I thought this is, as soon as I figure out which nurse is which and which doctor is who, uh, I'll, I, this is fascinating. And I could tell right away that it, that with the right visual style, it was going to be faster than anything that had ever been on television outside of motorcycle racing. <laughs> it definitely does end up with a very distinct visual style. Like even from the first season, you watch it and you know, I mean, aside from putting the DVD in, you know, you're watching ER. So yeah, very true ab on that. Absolutely. And I, what's funny is when you go back and watch the earliest stuff in the first and second season, and then you fast forward and watch something from season 10 or beyond, uh, uh, the pace increases every, mm -hmm. every season. And you look back yep. at, uh, at season one and you sort of think, well, wow, it was slow. <laughs> mm -hmm. And what were we kidding? Who thought Noah Wiley was old enough to be a doctor? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, very, much slower, much darker. Like season one has a very distinct kind of uh, look to it when you compare it to the rest of the show. Well, you know, I'm sure you do know since you're ER uh, aficionados that the pilot was shot in an, a, a real old right. hospital. And so yeah. the, the set reproduced it really beautifully. But oh yeah, but the, the, the vibe in that old building was really... Uh, unique and ghost-like mm -hmm. mm -hmm. yeah yeah so uh, besides uh, parsing through you know a 20 year old script and having to figure out 
if which nurse is which and all that good stuff like when you're casting an actor for a given part where do you start from like is it a character outline like what's what's kind of the the step one when you're starting to cast any given part well you know you meet with the writer and the director and you talk about it um at length you know Mm -hmm. age race gender uh you know personality uh you know, level of confidence, you know, what are the qualities? I don't like the word type. I like the word qualities. We all have things that we seem to be, whether or not they're true mm-hmm. is another story. But, um, and and out of that discussion and much reading, I must have read the pilot script, the one that John fixed and gave names to people. Um, <laughs> uh you know, maybe 25 times before we started working on actually doing the work. That's the first step is to immerse yourself in the world. Mm-hmm. And then and then we create a, what's called a breakdown. And there's an outfit called Breakdown Services, which is uh, it's really an employee, uh, an employment agency kind of. Uh, they, they give a description. Uh, later on, I wrote almost all of the descriptions as, mm-hmm. in the later years. But in those first years, we sent the script in and um, and then we corrected, added adjectives. You know, it would say something like this 28 year old physician is greener than your lawn, um, <laughs> comes from a rich family, uh, smart as hell, empathetic, uh, caring, uh, like that and then you know you communicate with agents and managers for each of those descriptions and you get thousands of envelopes filled with tens of thousands of pictures and resumes this was all before we got digitalized so it was done by hand we had to open the envelopes and sort (laughs) the pictures and resumes i had a whole system, which I won't bore you with unless you want me to. <laughs> I mean, we we joke that we are here for the more detail, the better. It's really, I mean, your time is what we value. So if you want sure, to go into yeah. it, our our listeners will never say no. Okay. Well, you know, in, in those days, you uh, there were, you know, you'd say maybe there are A agencies and management firms, B, C, and D, and mm-hmm. I would put a little sticky on the shelf of a big shelving unit uh, for each mm-hmm. part. And I would start with the D agencies and management firms and separate their submissions and put them into my organizational tabs. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, follow that by the C's and the D, B's and then the A's. And I would go, then you would just sort of sift through the pictures and after you'd seen a certain group you turn the ones you weren't interested in upside down and you mm-hmm. put the ones you might be interested in upside up uh on the top of the pile mm-hmm. and um and you you know for in those days you'd get probably four or five days in a row you'd get new submissions so you'd have to repeat this process over and over and over again. Um, I think this is maybe my favorite part of it. When we when we started the guest cast, the what I like to call 
uh, the trampoline parts, all those wonderful nurses and, you know, uh, front desk people and Mm -hmm. uh, doctors from other departments. Um, We didn't, we just simply, I had pulled apart a lot of different roles of, of, of favorite actors. And my assistant at the time, a wonderful guy called Kevin Scott, would stand in the doorway and he would say, okay, we're going to work on Halle. And I, I, I would say, okay, that's a, a 40-something-year-old African-American woman. And I would fill my around my, I'd be sitting on the floor and fill around <laughs> me with pictures mm-hmm. of women who I liked from the submissions and from my own files who fit that description. Mm-hmm. And then, we would do that for all of the guest parts, you know, and there's so many, um, I think, I mean, I guess we want to talk about the series regulars uh, and, and how that process worked. I mean, it, it's all so unique. We, you know, sure. uh, Clooney had an overall deal, what uh, was then called a holding deal at Warner Brothers Television. Um, mm-hmm. And he was what every show wanted a 35 year old handsome leading man who had you know humor sexuality danger empathy (laughs) he had the whole package Mm -hmm. Um, i don't like to say his name very much anymore but the president of warner brothers in those days was uh, somebody who gave our whole industry a black eye many years later leslie moonvest oh yeah and he um was very interested in quantity he wanted to mm. produce more pilots than any other studio. And um, there was a buddy cop show at NBC that if George would attach to that, that would have been ordered and that would have pushed our count, as Leslie used to like to call it, over everybody else's. And so the studio was pressuring George to be interested in that since they already had the order on ER. Mm. But... Um, I managed to get George a copy of the script because I knew him to be, I don't know, maybe it's arrogant to say I knew, but I had a strong inkling that despite the six or seven failed pilots he had done, (laughs) that his recent work on Sisters was so much better than some of his earlier work. Uh, I felt for sure that he would be a perfect linchpin to start mm. the casting. And I somehow got him a script um, in his dressing room at Sisters. And he read it. And because he is also <clears throat> incredibly savvy about our business, he recognized right away that this was the part that was going to change his life. Mm-hmm. And so we set up a meeting with Rod Holcomb, who was directing the pilot, and John Wells, Mm -hmm. who was the executive producer, and and I would call him the adapter. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And Barbara Miller, who was my boss, the head of casting at Warner Brothers Television. And George came in, and uh, we talked for a little while, and he told the story of the earthquake uh, that we had all recently gone through, and that he had ended up with his roommate, and his pet pig naked in the backyard at four in the morning. <laughs> and um, it was 
utterly clear that he was Dr. Doug Ross. Yeah. Um, one day during the work, John had been upstairs, I think, talking to the production executives about budget issues. And he stopped by my office. And just coincidentally, I had just gone through the submissions for Dr. Green and uh, the agency Innovative and their submissions. And it's a very wonderful boutique agency, still is today. Um, and funny enough, a picture of Anthony Edwards was on the top of the pile. And John said, huh, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I said, yeah, I, I think so too. And, and you know, he had changed so much from Goose in Top Gun uh, right. in terms of the way he looked. Um, but he still had that incredible charisma I remember years later on after we shot the pilot and we were watching dailies in Barbara's office and Barbara called out to her assistant and said, call my doctor and cancel my appointment. I'm going to Dr. Green. <laughs> and I think that's how America felt. Uh, yeah. he, he was the compassionate heart of the show. And mm -hmm. uh, oh, yeah. which is why whenever that season came along, when he got, sick and died uh it, it broke so many hearts mm -hmm. for sure um i think you asked in in your questions uh, you know was there a hard role to cast and an easy role to cast there is mm -hmm. no such thing as an easy role to cast even <laughs> if it falls in place quickly they're all hard and some of them just take longer than others right um John and I have been flying to New York, and I'm not quite sure why anymore. It's a long time ago. Um, and it happened that we were seated up in the front of the cabin, and, and there was a young woman sitting one row ahead of us and on the other side of the aisle. And she had been starring in NYPD Blue, but we had heard a rumor that she was unhappy, uh, Sherry Stringfield. And yeah. we talked with her about ER a little bit on that plane ride. And when she did, in fact, get out of her com contractual commitment to uh, NYPD Blue, she came in and read and tested and won the role with her great kind of every woman quality and a straightforwardness and a truthfulness um, that I just fell in love with. I, I just think she's she's sort of... Uh, you know the god i wish we had more of them today she was a decent american mm -hmm. uh, and uh, uh i think i'll never forget the, <clears throat> the scene in the pilot with her and uh farrar who ha happened yes. to be the brother-in-law of mr clooney um or the cousin, or maybe I've forgotten what their actual relationship was, but mm -hmm. he was diagnosed with a kind of cancer, and he asked how long he had to live. You may remember this scene, and Sherry said, mm -hmm. nothing is certain, nothing, nothing at all. And, wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, the part that took the longest, well, let me get to Noah first. <laughs> um, Noah's manager, who was a, she was an agent at that time, had her own little boutique agency, 
And uh, Noah had done a couple of films, but hadn't appeared on television. And I didn't know him from Adam <laughs> or anybody. And she called me probably, I don't know, let's exaggerate and say eight or 10 times to say <laughs> that I had to meet this young man. And I, I kept saying to her, Eileen, I will be happy to meet him, but he has to come in to read for me. I'm not giving him a producer session uh, with, you know, I mean, it, with this high powered project, I just have to be sure I can't, sure. you know, waste John and Rod's time. And there were rumors that Crichton was going to start coming to casting. And I was mm -hmm. frankly a little intimidated. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you a funny story, actually. Later on, when they were in the writer's room for the first season, uh, Steven Spielberg and uh, Crichton came to a writer's meeting, and I came over to the room to ask John a question about something, and he introduced me to them, and they stood up and at the same time to greet me and shake hands. And Crichton is, was six feet ten, and, wow. and Spielberg isn't <laughs> and as they stood up together spielberg stopped at a certain point rather quickly and michael unfolded kind of like a baby giraffe or something uh and uh i i actually couldn't help myself i laughed out loud finally uh eileen the agent uh, harassed me so much that I thought you said I could cuss. Fuck it. I'll just <laughs> yeah. throw him in. So I threw mm -hmm. a, a Noah into the session. Um, and it happened that Crichton was present in this audition. And I went out into the hallway to get Noah, introduced myself to him. And he said to me, Hey, John, I'd be happy to read this two scenes there or whatever it was that you have uh, you know given us as sides, but I'd also like to do this little moment where uh, Dr. Carter t uh, tries to draw blood for the first time on a person instead of right. from a, a football or a, a, or something. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. We, so we went in, and I sat down in the chair that is usually meant for the actor, and Noah wrapped a rubber band around my bicep and uh, had a retractable pencil and he uh, <laughs> proceeded to uh, with no dialogue be as physically funny as any actor could ever be and Crichton was rolling laughing <laughs> and then we read the scenes and then we tested him and then he got the job and then he, you know, went on to be who he is. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> My gosh. What a but first finally, impression. The day that we went to test all of these various parts and we had such great success. The network people just loved Anthony and they just loved Noah and they just loved Sherry. And we already had mm -hmm. George <clears throat> in the bag and uh, a wonderful actor named Michael Beach tested for uh, Dr. Benton. And uh, the president of the network 
and the head of casting there, Lori, opened in. Don Olmeyer was the head of the network at that time. Um, he said, well, you know, you have four-fifths of the best cast on television. And if you feel strongly, you can have Michael Beach. He's a very good actor. Um, if you could do better or different, um, we'd be open to that. So hmm. uh, we were, John Wells and I were walking quite giddily out of the session. It's always exciting when your collaborators agree with you about, you know, uh, about who, who ought to get these parts. Sure. Um, and Les Moonves was there as well. And he said to John, don't pick up Michael Beach's option. Let's see what else is available. So we didn't. <clears throat> and we did. And uh, Barbara Miller had some strict rules about uh, how uh, the group of casting directors who were at Warner Brothers at the time uh, had to behave. And one of the central rules was that we weren't really allowed to compete with each other. Uh, we, we put out interest lists every couple of days, I think, uh, about who was in the running for our parts. And if somebody was in the top three for another pilot, you weren't really supposed to see them. Right. And okay. Eric LaSalle was actually cast in a CBS doctor pilot that shot in Seattle, a woman named Jackie Zambrano. How the hell do I remember that? Uh, <laughs> uh, wrote it. And I've forgotten what it was called. But as sometimes happens, for budget reasons, a part that was originally a series regular becomes a guest part so that you can save $20,000 sure, yeah. or more. Eric's part was cut down from a series regular to a guest part. And so I fudged the rule or defied the rule. <laughs> um, I had been asking, begging permission to bring Eric in for what seemed like two weeks. We were already shooting Day three, I believe, was when Eric was finally approved and cast. The wow. schedule kept changing. When I went out to greet Eric in that same hallway, which I had just described with, in regard to Noah, uh, he was in scrubs. And uh, you know the way NBA players sometimes lie on the court before a game uh, doing sort of semi-yoga stretching sure, things? Sure, sure. That's the way... Eric was uh, in the hallway lying on the carpet, which I think I promise him it was completely filthy and he shouldn't have been doing it. Um, and he came in and he uh, knocked it clean out of the park. And that rounded up the regulars that were the beginning regulars. Mm -hmm. um, as you obviously know, uh, Juliana, who became the sixth regular, um, was a guest player in the in the pilot and in the great tradition uh, that I think started in NYPD Blue. No, I mean Hill Street Blues. Uh, two characters that were supposed to die in the pilot tested so high that they had a miraculous recovery. Uh, Juliana <laughs> was supposed to die of her suicide attempt uh, in the pilot, but she and George and she and she and George tested so high <laughs> that she had a 
mir- miraculous uh, sprint to mental health. Um, that is, that is an excellent way to put that first season. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's how the six in the pilot came to be the six in the first season. Um, mm-hmm. That they were. My God, they were close and they were tight and they were dynamic and they were, um, I think that first year they went to the Emmys together in one vehicle. Uh, (laughs) George was the most seasoned of them in some ways. And I think they got together uh, regularly and watched cuts and maybe even on the aired nights, they would often be together. Um, They were... It that you know, and then they were on the cover of Time magazine, and then forty million people were watching the damn show, right. and, uh, and and we were off to the races uh, with unparalleled success. I mean, there have been shows now that have lasted longer, but I don't think a primetime mm-hmm. drama has had forty million viewers in those Not days. I, I think if you you know if you said okay, ten o'clock, everybody under. 12 is asleep everybody over 70 is asleep and then you said okay who's left that might have been 80 um, 80 million americans half of them mm-hmm. watch dr on thursday night at 10 o'clock just crazy yeah, yeah. wow it, it's uh, un- especially in the fractured way that we view our television today mm-hmm. that that's Im- impossible yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's like I I have to make it a point to do appointment viewing with my sister so we can text about TV now. Otherwise, I'm watching it when I'm streaming yeah. it. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. Exactly. But so we touched a little bit on you know the the main six, the first six, that core group. But on a show like ER, approximately how many actors and actresses would you audition for one of the principal roles? Let's say later on in the series, a guest role or a new, another an added series regular. An added series regular. 25 to 40. Wow, that okay. many, huh? Something like that. Um, you know, and that would include the people who who read exclusively for me, as well as the people who mm-hmm. were of a stature that meant they had to go in directly to the director and the writer and John Wells. You mentioned a little bit too some of the like changes that were made to the original script and the outline. I'm sure John Wells kind of made a lot of those changes. Um, some of the stuff like I think Sherry Stringfield's character was originally supposed to be a male doctor, and ben, at least this is what I've heard over the years. I'm sure you would know better, but um, like um, Benton's character, I think originally I, I read was supposed to be a white doctor, and there were just like certain elements of the the character makeup that were kind of changed between the script that Michael Crichton wrote versus what John Wells brought to the pilot. Yeah, I mean, I think probably when Michael wrote the original screenplay, um, most doctors, a, a huge percentage of people in medical school on their ER rotation were Caucasian males. Right. Mm-hmm. And television, you know, there's a little famous show that happened at the same time as ER, uh, about six white people who live in New York City. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that wouldn't happen today. That couldn't happen right. today. And right. it shouldn't happen today. And, right. and uh, you know, one woman and one black man um, may, may have seemed 
uh, radical at the time, <laughs> but sure, uh, sure. it, 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 uh, it, it properly is necessary today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so I guess also to uh, one other follow up, no truth whatsoever to the urban legend that uh, Clooney just followed you and John Wells around and pestered you until you cast him as Ross, because that is the story that has been perpetuated over the years is that he read the part and then pestered the hell out of the two of you until you said yes. Well, I don't think there was all that much pestering. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, uh, he may have gotten the script before I got it to him from somebody at Warner Brothers in, in the development department. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, George is just such an amazing. I, I'm so happy for all of mm -hmm. what's happened for him and to him. Absolutely. Uh, uh, it's and and that his heart and his mind are in the right place on almost every important issue it makes it even better um he didn't have to pester me <laughs> <laughs> if he did some pestering of john um i don't really know that sure hmm. sure it's a, good uh, urban, so, it's a good urban legend yeah it, it makes for a good story that's that's for sure um are there any like big names that may surprise uh maybe they weren't big names at the time but that may surprise us that auditioned for one of the original six five that became six yeah uh damned if i remember i don't <laughs> okay. think so there you go don't think so. another tuesday at work yep. we get yeah, it yeah <laughs> another tuesday at work but also uh, a tuesday from I was a brunette. Let's put it that way. <laughs> fair. Very fair. I don't think you're, I don't suppose your audience will get that joke. <laughs> They'll figure it out. I think they're, they're pretty intuitive. Yeah, I, they can, they can Google if they, if they need it to not go over their head. It's fine. Um, so one of ER's strengths was its supporting cast of nurses, desk clerks, and other hospital personnel. What sorts of qualities were you looking for when casting these important roles? Well, um, I think I alluded to that earlier that I called them the trampoline. Mm -hmm. And, you know, trampoline is something that yeah. the stars can jump on to get higher than they can get on their own. And uh, that group of people um, is in many ways more important to me um, because I had a little more control over the access mm -hmm. to those roles than I did to the six. Um, <clears throat> and I was able to use people that I knew and loved who uh, radiated professionalism, competence, mm -hmm. dedication, heroism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those are some of the words that I would think of. Also people who could bring you... Um, the abs into the absurdity of the world not quite the way mash did but mm -hmm. uh not the sanctimonious uh people magazine version that was chicago hope our competitor <laughs> you know they were dealing with stories about separating twins at birth and we were the daily news we were dealing with people whose insurance didn't cover anything and their primary physician was the er Right, mm -hmm. uh, which was true all over the, all over the place. Uh, uh, you know, so those people like, uh, uh, you know, like Yvette and Connie and, uh, uh, you know, and and uh, uh, the desk clerks Abe Ben Ruby and Troy Evans, uh, 
um, yep. you know, and, and uh, Getty Watanabe. And I mean, I, I could list 30 people who filled those Certainly. roles, including the people who played the EMTs, who, mm-hmm. who were death defying. They had to be able to come in and do, you know, beeping <laughs> while pushing a gurney in a one shot, a single shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. It would be, you know, a page and a half of medical stuff that they didn't know what the hell they were saying half the time. So right. um, I, I value those people and I'm extremely proud of how long many of them lasted in, oh, in yeah. the show. And, um, mm-hmm. and, and they were, they were fantastic. Um, and they really were a trampoline. I love it. I don't think I've ever heard that phrase before, the trampoline actors. So I'm going to have to keep that in mind. That's It's great. in my book. <laughs> Excellent. Well, then I will get to be reminded when we read it for the show, because we also do a book report bonus episode. Oh, so perfect. Daniel and I read yeah. stuff and we will definitely have to put it on our to read list when it comes out. Oh, fantastic. Out. Another of ER's strengths was its ability to withstand multiple main cast changes. What was the challenge like in trying to find and create new stars to keep the show fresh? Yeah, I mean, I think that's really interesting because we, John Wells and his writing staff mm-hmm. and directing staff resisted the temptation to do what some other shows have done and just do a new show in a new city. We didn't mm-hmm. do ER Toledo mm-hmm. or ER Philadelphia. <laughs> we instead, sure. we brought in new cast members <clears throat> and <clears throat> they had big shoes to fill but mm-hmm. you know uh if you ask me who the some of the best actors who were who did er as series regulars along the way maura tierney would certainly come to mind certainly. Uh, you know so, so so many others laura innes you know just so mm-hmm. fabulous uh, in in that in that role of uh, uh goran vizniak uh, he, and I, I probably shouldn't say even, but John Stamos, who who joined us, and you know didn't come from a a, a, a quality television background, mm. prestige. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know who else am I leaving out? Uh, there were so many. Oh, I mean, oh my God, uh, I Mackay can't. Pfeiffer, oh yeah, uh, Mackay, who was who I saw Scott, in trial and just thought. Charisma, charisma, charisma. Absolutely. Yeah. Linda Cardellini. Yeah. Oh, Linda. And, and, you know, and, and she's unforgettable in this show that she's doing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Scott Grimes was probably the biggest surprise for me out of characters you grow to love in those later yeah. seasons. I was like. Yeah, he was. He, not, he nails it. He was it. fantastic. And they all had a kind of, um, I mean, certainly on television, the series stars need to be a little more fabulous than you and me. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but but if, given that, they were regular people mm-hmm. that had mm-hmm. flaws and that had, uh, and again, you'd always go back to the word heroic. Right. Because mm-hmm. the show was really about heroism, selflessness. The, all of these doctors, these characters, that were on ER could have gone into private practice and been rich, mm-hmm. but instead they tended to the people who needed them the most. When you're 
re- trying to replace somebody like, say, you know, for example, uh, uh, George Clooney. He's going off to be the biggest movie star in the world at, at that time. Um, it's certainly that, and it's very fresh in our minds because it's kind of where we're at in the timeline. Um, it almost seems as though the approach to replacing him was realizing that you can't replace a guy like that with one person. Exactly. And that we take elements of his personality and just sprinkle them across a Goran Vishnik and an Eric Palladino and a Michael Michelle and like just add them to the cast as new characters with little tiny sprinkled bits of Clooney dust on them and hope that we make some magic. Yeah, and, and some of that worked better than others. <laughs> it's it's Daniel's favorite running theory right now with where we are in the show. So Well, no, it's true because you didn't want to just you know, use uh, Dr. Kovach because mm-hmm. he looked a little bit like George. Yep. And so he couldn't make him, you couldn't make him the pediatrician and the mm-hmm. philanderer, you, you know, or whatever. <laughs> he, he had to be a different kind of a doctor and a different kind of a person with a different kind of a life story so that you right. can mitigate the fact that we were adding a great looking sexy man. <laughs> yeah for sure we uh we've sort of taken to calling him on the show Cl- uh, croatian Clooney. so he, <laughs> he's, it's essentially essentially who he is um but uh er also of course had many excellent guest stars over the years uh, but also had its kind of share of before they were famous appearances of future uh big names that we would come to know people like um you know chadwick boseman and mm-hmm. um course now i'm blank octavia spencer uh came on before she was a big name like uh all these names of people jessica who, chastain o- lucy jessica Lou. chastain lucy uh, Lou. yeah nick offerman showed up as a uh that's right episode. so you know in your opinion what was the balance between kind of er's writing and storytelling ability that was attracting these immensely talented but maybe not so well known actors yet versus you and the rest of the creative team's knack for recognizing kind of untapped potential well, I, I think the answer is yes. <laughs> you know, the, the writing staff was fantastic. The visual mm-hmm. style that Holcomb created was fantastic. Uh, the realization that the pace needed to be upped every year was fantastic. The set was fantastic. The, the writing was fantastic. The directors who came in, you know, including a, a little troublemaker named Quentin Tarantino. Um, you know, uh, Tommy Schlamy directed the live episode. We went on to do the West Wing with Aaron and Tommy. Um, you know, it, it, there was uniform excellence. Uh, mm-hmm. The costumer, who's a dear friend, Lynn Paolo, you know, maybe she wasn't as challenged because everybody was in scrubs, but uh, <laughs> the guest cast was fantastic. The, the prop mm-hmm. guys... Uh, understood medical tech, you know, uh, better than most guys who go to med school. Um, right. You know, it, it it just and it was it cut the ice of being real, right? Or, or mm. uh, uh, real adjacent anywhere. Uh, you know, where most other shows were trying desperately to be hyper real or better than real. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, is there anybody that for you as a, a TV viewer now or as just a fan of things, is there anybody that you watch now and you go like, hey, I gave that guy his first shot on ER? Or like, is there anybody that you're proud to say that you were like, I knew before everybody else knew? Well, um, I, I, I try I try not to sound quite that, uh, <laughs> uh, 
I don't know, now, cocky or whatever. Now's your chance. Yeah. We I, won't I tell. Say, you know, there are there are twenty or thirty or more of those <laughs> people. Uh, I'm a you know when we were at our uh, fattest, you know, as in P H A T, the most successful and the biggest budgets and all of that. I right. went to the Juilliard uh, showcase of their graduating class. And while it is true that I have a, uh, uh, a love of redheads, um, I um, also have a love of talent. And, and I um, saw Jessica Chastain and I introduced her to John later the next week. And uh, we offered her, a, by those standards, ridiculously large amount of money to be exclusive to John Wells Productions for one year. And she did um, an episode of ER, and she did a pilot that has never seen the light of day called Dark Shadows, which was a remake of a show from long ago. Hmm. And, uh, you know, when again, like George, when I see what what I saw then come to full fruition, both in terms of talent and range and professionalism and dedication. And also in terms of, you know, I mean, I think I read recently that in her action-y movie that has just come out a month or two ago, that she was instrumental in getting all of the women paid equally. I think I did hear about What's that. What's it called? Yeah, 337 awesome. or something like that? Something like that or 331 yeah. or so something. There's That's a three awesome. in it. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, um, show business has the reputation for a lot of people being kind of dilettante and... Uh, uh, self-involved and difficult and you know and some of that of course is true um, I, I think you know when you the same with athletes when, when you start telling people how special they are at six by 25 they they kind of believe it yeah <laughs> but so, but you know the the really good ones uh, hold on to their principles and their values and mm -hmm. live their lives um you know, from the from the center of their principles and their values, and uh, mm -hmm. it enhances work. The, the how much fun it is to work with them. Absolutely, yeah. So, are there any actors that uh, you over the years could be anybody at the time or anybody now that you feel would have been a a great fit on ER, either as a main cast or a guest star that you were ultimately circumstances never came together that you were able to get them on the show. Uh, no, I, I actually honestly can say that I have zero regrets. Nobody got away um, from me. A, a lot of wonderful actors <laughs> that I knew in those days, um, you know, did ER. Uh, you know, eventually I found a place for, right. yeah. I mean, you know, 330 what episodes? 331, and uh, I believe, uh, I'm trying to remember who it was that said it. One of the... Um, people we talked to mentioned exactly how many actors had yeah um, had come through oh, over the years. I mean, it was when, in the thousands. Yeah, I think it's in the more than that. I mean, there were there were maybe 20, 25 people, new people in every episode. And I say I saw seven people for each of those roles. And then there was another wow. eight to 12 people who were recurring, you know, mm -hmm. were that trampoline or or other you know, kind of recurring characters. So uh, in the course of those 331 episodes, 
um, we must have seen tens of thousands of actors. Sure. And um, I'm, you know, uh, incredibly proud. Yeah, what, when you frame it that way, it sounds like oh, so much busier of a job. Because, like, from layman terms, we're just like, yeah, you're you're sitting and doing auditions and looking through pictures, of course. But when you frame it on how big of a scope ER was, it's like, no shit, you must have been going crazy. Well, half and, the time. and again, keep in keep in <laughs> mind that it's pre-digital, so right. you mm-hmm. know you'd put out a breakdown, and then the then the agencies would uh, messenger envelopes, and then you'd oh. open them, and then you know. So the if, if you got a script on day one of an eight day prep, you were setting up a session for day four, five, Whew. and hoping like hell you weren't having a session on day seven. Casting oh episodic gosh. television, I always have said, is like this. You go, yeah, shit. Because <laughs> you finish and you feel so great. Right. And you're behind on the next one. There are no high eight yep. weeks. Yep. No. Yep. Oh, my God. I just can't even imagine the paper cuts either from opening all yeah, those envelopes. Well, like, just... I, uh, yeah. <laughs> But um, what lessons, if any, did you take with you from ER onto other productions you've worked on since? Um, Passion, discipline, the willingness to work hard, and the willingness to inspire the people who work with you and for you, and the people you work with and for, to maintain that level of passion. You know, when you do that many episodes, uh, probably 50 of them weren't that great. (laughs) <laughs> but but to make uh, uh, 200 good ones and mm-hmm. 75 fabulous ones, that's um, a lifetime's achievement. Yeah, it's a pretty good batting average. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we say every season when, when we come across those one or two that just don't quite hit. We're like, you know what? Rest of the season's been great. Yeah. And, and even and the, the the beautiful thing about an ensemble cast too is that even in those ones that maybe don't hit as well as some of the other ones, there's always something you can take away. Sure, one something, person something happens. One person was having a really care good week. about. Exactly. Yep. Or one of the nurses just makes an exceptionally great face in the background of a scene, and it's enough to just be like that was yeah. worth it. Like, but um, we also we let our listeners submit fan questions. On, on behalf of us and one of the ones that we got was when you're casting a part do you start more from the look of a character or the character's personality well um, again the answer is yes uh, you know that <laughs> their personality is crucial to me and their talent is right. crucial to me um, but in some cases uh, you know we didn't want George romantically involved with women that we didn't want to see him with Hmm. right so most of the women who got either romantically or sexually involved with dr ross were damn pretty and that was an important that was an important you know thing because you're all of the characters that you introduced as guests are shining a light on the characters that you're with every week and so mm-hmm. they have to shine the light on the the six or the twelve or the fifteen <laughs> um, that that uh, illuminates our core characters in the way we want them to be seen. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And before I let Daniel get to his favorite question to wrap us out, um, do you want to give any more? I know you said it's very early in development, but was there any more information on your book that you would like to share or any other projects that you're working on that you would like to share with our listenership sure, right now? Sure, I, I would just like to say thank you for affording me that opportunity. During the pandemic, I got together with a wonderful woman named Trudy Roth, and uh, she's an experienced ghostwriter. I don't know. That's a weird word. But um, and she tasked me with uh, sending her an email at least once a day, every day, starting in January a year ago uh, via email. And she would sometimes also interview me on Zoom and then eventually in person. And she has organized these memories into a book that covers um, my life in the theater before I began to work in television, Uh, China Beach, which was the place where I met a great many people that I worked with over many, many years, Um, and then into ER, and then into the West Wing, Mm -hmm. and uh, into shows like uh, Third Watch mm-hmm. and Southland and uh, Animal Kingdom and then finally uh, to the second longest running child of mine Shameless uh, and and uh, it's uh, filled with stories like the ones I'm telling you today uh, mm-hmm. and also mm-hmm. observations on what I think an actor's work is and ought to be and isn't and ought not to be. Uh, And it has some tips for people who are interested in casting uh, as a profession. Um, And it has a lot of, um, you know, uh, poignant stories uh, uh, about about people. Uh, John Wells has written a foreword for it that um, I'm Every time nice. I read it, I cry. <laughs> um, and I've asked a bunch of writers and directors and actors that I've worked with over the years to write a few sentences that I might be able to use as promotional things and as blurbs on the jacket. And so far, I have at least 15, and not one of them knows how to write a few sentences. <laughs> so I'm afraid there's going to be a chapter at the end, which is uh, one of my dear friends, Carol Flint, who was a writer on China Beach and then on mm-hmm. ER and also on the West Wing, wrote me back and said, is, this, is there really a book, or are you just collecting accolades? <laughs> <laughs> And I, I said, I've always wanted to be at my funeral and still be alive. <laughs> that's that's very well. This is a good way to do it. Um, I was just gonna say one one day when you're back, we'll have to talk a little bit more about the West Wing work because that was another one of my favorite shows. But I know you've already talked with that gang, and I won't keep you for it here. But I'd be happy to talk about that anytime. <laughs> So one final question that we make a habit out of asking everybody, uh, what do you think it is important for fans of ER to know about it from your unique perspective? In other words, when you think back on your time on the show, what would you want fans to know about the experience that maybe wouldn't necessarily be clear just from watching? Well, I think, you know, because I didn't know what a casting director was when I was 30 something, uh, (laughs) to have a life changing experience as a casting director uh, to work in an environment where 
your passion, your creativity, your intent, your intelligence, your integrity were all valued and respected. Um, mm -hmm. John often talked about that we spent more time with our ER family than we did with our partners and our children. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it was serious work and it was important work and it was damn fun. Thank <laughs> you.